Weird Realities explores the paranormal, preternatural, and supernatural worlds that surround us. Here we delve into those topics that challenge us to think outside the limitations of realism, where we test the boundaries of imagination and are forced to think outside the confines and restrictions of what is normal. We are the creators, the writers, the artists, and the insane. Welcome to our Weird Realities. Hello, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to the premiere show of Real Talk. Uh, my co-host, Jennifer, could not be with us tonight. I think she's probably out at Area 51 calming down the aliens who are trying to riot. But our guest tonight is Robert Ben Garant. Um, you got to know this guy. He is one of the co-creators and stars of Reno 9-11. Uh, for the writers, he... <laughs> Uh, Deputy Travers Jr. He is also a very prolific screenwriter. He's done all three Night at the Museum movies. Um, he did Rocky and Bullwinkle, um, Baywatch, Taxi, The Pacifier. He even did, what? Was, oh, Hell Baby, the comedy horror. And he's even done a straight horror movie, The Veil. Uh, he is also the co-writer of... Writing movies for profit, how they made a billion dollars and loved it. So, Ben, welcome here tonight. Thank you very, very much for having me, Scott. It's been a long time. It's very good and to see you again. It has been. Ben and I met when uh, we arranged for him and his friend Tom to come out to uh, Langley to do one of the tours. So It was an incredible experience. It was a great day. I met a lot of uh, agents and a lot of writers, and they gave me a tour of the museums. It was That was incredible. I tell people about that all the time, and it blows their minds that I got to see that stuff. Oh, good. I, I kind of miss it, but then, you know, sometimes I look in the news and see how it, the agency and the intelligence communities come political, and it's like, thank God I'm retired. Uh, it's been a rough stretch. That's true. Yeah. So... What I want to do, for those of you who don't know, this show, we're going to be talking to screenwriters, and we're going to be talking to novelists who have made the transition from novels into screenwriting. Uh, their books have been, are going to be turned into movies. The whole out idea of the show is we want to know the screenwriting process. A lot of us have talked about, we'd love to turn our book into a movie. We'd love to write the screenplay ourselves. How do we do that? How did you get into screenwriting? Uh, I, by accident. Um, I started as a sketch comedian um, in New York. And I was in college with uh, for theater. Uh, I didn't really write that much. And um, there were a bunch of us who founded a sketch group. Uh, just two-minute comedy sketches. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, got, we did shows all over New York. And we all did internships uh, and invited people from MTV and Comedy Central and the David Letterman show and SNL to come see our live shows. And from that, we got a pilot on MTV that was just pure sketch. Uh, and then after three years of the sketch show, somebody approached me. Uh, I, we moved uh, the last season of a show I did called Viva Variety from New York to L.A., and in Los Angeles, somebody approached me who was a fan of the sketch show, and they had bought the rights to this book, You're Going to Prison. And it's not much of a book. It's like uh, 79 pages. Uh, and it's basically written by this guy who's written two books. One of them is How to Make Heroin, and one of them is this. So he's like this Unabomber guy uh, who's been to prison. And they, they were a fan of my sketch comedy. And they came to me and said, hey, do you think you could make this into a movie? And uh, my partner, Tom Lennon, and I said, of course, sure. And we had no idea what we were doing. And so we sat down uh, at our computers and tried to write a movie of this. Uh, and we did. We wrote a movie of this. It was a NC-17, really, really filthy, really violent, uh, a lot of very inappropriate humor. Uh, and all over Los Angeles, people would bring us in uh, with this screenplay. And they would say, hey, we read your screenplay. And we would say, 
oh, that's great. You're going to make it into a movie? And they all said, absolutely not. There's no way anybody will ever make this into a movie. But we like the way that you write your African-American characters. Uh, and we're doing a movie called Rebound with Martin Lawrence. It's a mess. Can you punch it up for us? Or, uh, hey, we, we're never going to do this movie, but we have the rights to this board game. Do you think that you could make a movie of it for us? Uh, and the, those, and that's what led to us writing punch-up work and dialogue work. And that mm -hmm. got us enough of a reputation that when we went out and pitched an actual screenplay screenplay that was our idea, people had read this screenplay. They'd read the punch-up work. We'd built sort of relationships at studios, so they bought our movie but for the movie pitch, but also because they knew us and they knew our writing abilities. So I, I answer that long-windedly just to say anybody who – there's no right or wrong way to get your book or idea made into a movie. Like if you ask 100 different screenwriters how they made it, you'll get 100 different answers. So – Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. If anybody says this is the only way to do it, that's just not true. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. And there is no one way to do it. There's a lot of different ways. Now, is that book uh, a comedy? I know. No, no. <laughs> it's brutal. It's 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 a it's a guidebook. It's a really practical guidebook, like how to make wine in the toilet. This is what it's from. It's from when the cop knocks on your door to the electric chair. This yeah. is what's going to happen. This is why to hire a public defender sometimes instead of a fancy lawyer. This is why you should make sure your mug shot, you know, that doesn't look like you don't look like a dog rapist on your mug shot. Comb your hair, like smile, look, look normal, because the mug shot is going to be the first time most people see your face in the trial process. So it's like this. It's not funny at all. It's like dark and twisted. And true, apparently. How much of it made it into Reno 911? A lot of it. A lot of it <laughs> did. Like, uh, a lot of the really darkest stuff was always good to have in the back of your mind when you were doing Reno. Mm -hmm. Now, pretty much from what you were saying, a lot of it is networking. You work for a lot of people. You did them favors. You did them odd jobs. And then when you came out with the script, they were like, yeah, you guys are good. Let me take a look at it. That's a, that's really true. And, and that's what, what people, a thing that, that writers when they're new, well, like when I was in school, we never got access to anybody who was a working screenwriter, somebody who'd actually kind of been in the studios and sold some stuff. And so there's like little tidbits that I wish I had known. And one of the things to know, whether you get in early and kind of meet people and have a reputation before you pitch something, or if you're just going in cold and pitching something, they're not just buying a screenplay, they're hiring a writer. Like, so they're not just buying the idea, they're hiring you. And so they, it, like any job interview, it's not just about the idea, don't be an asshole. They, you know, they, they want you to be somebody who they are going to enjoy working with potentially for years on your movie. So mm -hmm. part of the thing that people sort of tend to forget is you're not just out selling an idea, you're also trying to get hired for a job. And so all, you know, be, be professional, be, be funny, be a joy to be around, be interesting. But that's part of the gig too, that people sometimes, you don't know that until you're here for a while. Okay. Now, what type of pitch do you, I'm, because I'm sure the pitch for a screenplay is a lot different than a pitch from a novel. So if we've got a whole bunch of people out there who've, you know, they're going to pitch their novel to a producer or they've already got the screenplay. What's the best way to pitch? Well, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, one thing to always need to remember, because people say, what's the really short, concise version of your pitch? You know, that's the thing that you hear. What's the elevator pitch? You're in the elevator with the guy and you have 30 seconds to pitch the movie. What's that? What that really means is the chances are you're going to be pitching your idea to somebody who may not read the book. And you're also gonna be pitching your idea to somebody who it's then their job to pitch it to someone else above them to say yes or no. So not only, so it's gotta be a really good, simple, clear idea that people think, oh, that's great. Like what, what do toys do 
after the kid leaves the room, what if the toys are all secretly alive and that's been a secret toys have kept for a long time? And this is a story about two toys who get lost and try to find their boy again. Like that's a simple idea and you go, oh, I totally see why that's a movie. So I think that's, and, and I think the other hard truth of that is you have to realize not every book is gonna make a good movie. You know, you have to realize some things, like if when in your head, if you're trying to articulate what's the really good clear concept of this book that makes it seem like a good movie, if you're having a lot of trouble doing that, maybe the book is not something that will make a good film. There's, and so maybe it's just a book. Maybe it's something that the book is, it is what it is, and it's a great book. Or maybe instead of trying to condense it into an hour and a half, maybe it's a TV series. You know, maybe it's something, you know, there's a lot of, like they kept trying to do The Mist and The Watchmen and all of these things that are really complicated. But then when you try to make it into a series, suddenly it makes a lot more sense because you're not trying to cram this epic, long, the stand into an hour and a half, but you have like time to tell the story. And so maybe it's, it's not a movie. So I would say, really think about what's that simple idea to pitch your movie that makes sense, but also look at the idea of the book itself. And maybe the book, maybe there's something in it that would make a good movie, but maybe the actual book isn't a movie. Maybe it's too complicated. Maybe it's just too hard. Maybe it's too dry, you know? Okay. Now, I've tried it. You've read it. And you, you gave me a lot of feedback, which I appreciate. It's not easy if you're a novelist switching over to screenwriting. And you saw, you know, the action scenes for me wasn't just the dinosaur attack Los Angeles. It was like two or three pages of what went on. What advice do you give to guys like me who are doing the screenplay but just can't break away from that novel, that novel writing mode? read a bunch of screenplays go you can get them they're all online go like like yeah. pick pick your favorite movie read the screenplay of it and you'll see something that's shocking and it sometimes takes years to sink in screenplays are really short they're mm. really short they're they're there it's a hundred 120 pages usually but it's that's not even novel pages like the way it's spaced out like it's it's like five chapters of a book like and it's and it's really the, the transition of of a novel to a screenplay that's i think the first thing that you really have to realize it's really short it's really concise like something that in a book may take three chapters to sort of introduce all of your characters and the world if it's something that's a science fiction or fantasy and what's the plot in a movie that's like 10 pages you know that tops you know maybe 15 or 20 if you're doing something like a marvel movie but it re read screenplays and the first thing that you'll realize is it's writing a screenplay if you really really know what you're doing takes like a week like it's it's they're short uh that's the big transition they're simple and short. Like the action is simpler. There's less characters, less things happen in a movie than will happen in a book. Yeah. And you don't have to describe personality traits and the background and all that because the director will do that, right? And pick pick a, a, a movie that you absolutely love. Like I, I recommend like The Matrix and Casablanca, like mm. which I love Casablanca. Rick, uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca is like one of the most toughest, most beloved, most yeah. romantic, like people love that character in that movie. Mm -hmm. And when you look at how he's introduced, he doesn't even say anything for the first like 10, 15 pages. Like that movie, it introduces him by everybody else says, oh, Rick's the coolest. Rick's the coolest. Oh, you'll never get Sam from Rick. Like it, it's like, what, look at the way they introduce the characters you love in a movie, it's very, very different than in a book. Like in a book, you get a guy's backstory. You get the guy's, like, what his parents are like. You get a cool mini adventure sometimes to int just introduce the character. And if you're doing that in a movie, it's got to be clinically precise. Like that first 10 pages is such valuable real estate. You have to not only 
introduce your character and the adventure and the world, you also have to grab people. Like people have to read that thing and go, oh, wow, I really want to know what happens to this guy. I really want to know who gets the Maltese Falcon. You know, you have to not just explain it. You have to yank people down and they have to finish the rest of your screenplay. And that's, yeah. you know, it's it's more like a you're writing a haiku than it is like writing a novel. Like it's very, very short. Well, when I was looking into it, somebody said that each page should be a minute of the movie. Yes, that's that's about right. Yeah. So if you have more than 120, 130 pages, it's either got to be the Marvel Universe or it's never going to get sold. Yeah, I, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm assuming also, I know as a writer, I read, even if I'm not keen on them, I read books that are really popular, the Twilight series, things like that. I read, you know, fellow zombie writers who, have, you know, are really popular. I also read some of the worst books around to not make the mistakes they did. I'm assuming that those, and I'm not asking you to name names, but I'm assuming those screenplays are out there too. I, I think, I mean, reading screenplays is always really valuable. Like sometimes reading the screenplay of something that's bad is interesting because I just love to see where they went wrong. You know, mm -hmm. like where, you know, because sometimes you read a screenplay and you think, oh, this really, really worked for the first 15 pages. And then it just totally fell off a cliff, which is interesting. And then you get to learn it's really easy to like sit around the bar or sit around the bong and talk about why you hate Mario brothers. But if you want to be constructive, figure out what you would have done to fix it. You know, that that's, that's what people who I've hung out with who have made it in the industry. It's not people who just sit back and kind of poo poo on other things, but like really try to figure out like, what's the version of this that you would have loved and worked. And I think, I think that's a real, like good, genuinely good exercise. And it helps, you know, you got to no, nobody in Hollywood wants you to sit down and tell them why their movie sucked. Like people want to sit down and say, this is a great idea. Let me fix it for you. Okay. Now, I know one of the things we always say in writing, don't follow the last bestseller. Don't write the next Twilight. Don't write the next Hunger Games, the next Harry Potter. Is that true for screenwriting? It's... Yes and no. It's it's a weird, you can't predict what people are going to buy next. Um, I think you can get a sense, and it, there, there are no rules. There are no rules. And then anybody says there are rules, there's not. Because people, after Harry Potter, they did 10 Harry Potter ripoffs and the, the School for Good and Evil. And I, I mean, they just, you would watch it and every single person in the theater looks and says, oh, that's a Harry Potter ripoff. You know, but maybe one of them was going to turn into something good, you know, like Jaws was its own thing and it inspired, you know, these blockbusters, but then it started extrapolations on Jaws and some of them were really good, you know? So I think it's good to kind of have a sense of the market. You know, I think that that's valuable is to kind of know if you're going to do a really, really, no, that's not true either. I think write something that's true to you. Write something that you enjoy. I think it's good to have a little bit of a sense of don't write something that's going to be so expensive. Nobody can make it. I think I think one thing that people kind of forget when they're writing a movie that when you're writing a movie and this is different than a novel in some ways, like in in novels, you can like a character even if that character is pretty despicable. There's some of my favorite novels. The main characters are real awful. You know, a Confederacy of Dunces is great. And the lead character is just a nightmare. He's a terrible guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when you write a screenplay, you have to realize some movie star is going to have to play the hero. Yeah. And you have to write a hero that every movie star is going to want to play. Like, you have to write, like, so if he's an awful repugnant, everybody hates him, he's ugly. Who's going to want to play that guy? Like, you can write that guy, but then he's got a twist where he's awesome. But unless you have that twist where he's awesome, nobody's going to want to play your lead. And you have to remember that you're not writing novels, you're writing a screenplay. And unless a movie star wants to play your hero, nobody's going to want to make your screenplay. Yeah, you have to make them like a Hannibal Lecter or a Hans Gruber. Somebody fancy, somebody interesting, somebody cool. Somebody who some new movie star is going to pick up and think, I want to play this guy. This guy's cool. 
Yeah, I, I, I love the governor from The Walking Dead because he was just, you know, there was the part of him that was just pure psychotic and there was the other part that was trying to help his people. And that scene where Michonne kills his daughter and you see him just snap, that was brilliant writing on the part and brilliant acting. And a fascinating character, you know, fascinating. Yeah, yeah like a good villain. Uh, you know, the villain makes the movie. So I think a yeah. good... Yeah, he's really, really just three-dimensional. I think people, you know, you have to do that. And if it's a screenplay, you have to do it really, really quickly. You have to establish that stuff very quickly on the page. Now, a question I have, I also do a show called Watching Weird. And we do some of the worst movies out there. For Thanksgiving, Velocipasta. <laughs> How does it hap happen often that you write a good screenplay, some producer grabs it, and turns it into this nightmare. Yeah, and you never, I, I think the other way around, whenever I see a movie that's good, I think that's a miracle that something <laughs> made it that's actually good. There's so many things that can go wrong, even if the script is brilliant, never mind if the script isn't good, but even if the script is good, there's like money issues and they can't afford to do this. Or the person, if this happens all the time where the person who buys your script then gets fired or moves to another company and then new executives come in and they see something slightly different in the screenplay and it's a, they try to make an airplane into a train and it just doesn't work. You know, I think sometimes actors come in and if it's a really famous actor and sometimes not, they will come in and hire a writer to do a pass to make them like the movie more. And sometimes it really pulls the thread out of the sweater and the movie just does not work anymore because of the past that this writer did. There's all kinds of crazy things that can happen. To me, it's a miracle if a movie comes out that's actually good. Like, it, it, I'm shocked. I just, it, it doesn't happen often. Nine, nine, 99 times out of 100, the movies don't work. Now, here's a question I just thought of because I talked once to Tom Monteleone and he was telling me he sold a book and for 10 years he made $10,000 because they never turned it into a movie. For the for the writers out there who are thinking they're going to write the next Harry Potter, when you sell your book to the producer or the studio, how much control do you have over it? Especially if you are not a big name screenwriter like yourself. If you're just somebody, this is the first book going into a movie. It, it, there's no rules. It depends. It, you, you make that deal when you sell the book. Like, and so if you're a first time writer uh, and it's not a huge bestseller, probably what's going to happen is they're going to give you a fee and then you sold your baby. Like, and they can give your baby any kind of haircut they want. And there's nothing that you can say about it. If your movie, if you have a track record, either as a screenwriter or as a novelist, you're going to have more power when you negotiate. And you can say, like, I don't think there are very few writers who get like final cut or really get a say so over the script. But if you're if you're if you sold a lot of books, uh, you can say, look, I want to write this thing. Um, that doesn't happen a whole lot. Like even J.K. Rowling, like realized I'm going to sell this. I'm going to hand it over to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is going to take care of it. Like, I think that probably she got final say but you mostly stayed out of it so it, it, it's you negotiate that when you sell the rights to your book almost always when you sell the rights to your book it's not indefinite it's usually a year uh mm -hmm. and then you get an option and they have to pay you more if they want yeah. it for another year and then they have to pay you more if they want it for another year that's pretty normal um but it just it depends and if you're a first-time writer and you've never sold a book uh, CAA are my agents and they often give me books that are not out yet. They, they often give me books that aren't in the stores that have not been published. And they just say, Hey, uh, a writer, their publicist gave us this book. This writer doesn't have an agent, but the publicist read this book and thought, Hey, this is a good idea. The publicist gave it to multiple agencies. We as CAA are going to represent this book because we think that this book is going to make it into a good movie. And so they would, they will show it to screenwriters and producers and movie stars, even if it isn't out yet, 
but that was the publicist thinking that it was the writer going to the publicist saying, I think this book is going to be a good movie. The publicist agreed and the publicist reached out to agents and gave early copies or early synopses of the books to multiple agencies. And then the agencies, one of them wanted it. So that's, that happens all the time, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but that's usually, so if you're a writer and you do write something or have an idea for something that you think could be a good movie, a good way to get representation for it is to go to your publicists and say, I think this is a movie. Uh, and a lot of publicists will, if they don't know how to do it, they'll reach out to somebody who does know how to do it and get that book or that book synopsis to agencies to represent it and then try to sell it. That that happens to me every week. They send me books, uh, just a one-liner on the book, uh, lists of books with one-liners and say, do you think any of these would make a good movie? Uh, that's a huge wing of every agency is the literary department, and that's all they do. Okay. Now, a lot of us are independent writers on this group. If you don't have a publicist, how do you get your book in front of the uh, CAA? It's going to be hard. I think any any the larger group it's very difficult to get to agents at all uh especially unsolicited like mm -hmm. uh, even friends even if they have a really really good friend who is an agent or has an agent like you as a writer you don't want to burn up that many favors and have your agent just read everything yeah. that you get like so as the writer or as a friend you want to read the thing and be really sure this is a really good movie, potentially. I'm going to give it to my agent. Use any connection that you have. Public, getting your stuff published and getting a publicist or a, a publisher is a great is a great door to the door to the agency just because they represent more than one writer. And it's not just some Joe Smo knocking on CNA, CAA. It's an actual publisher knocking on the door right. of CAA. But any connection that you have, like, I, I think that's, you know, I wish I had a, sim a better, simpler answer, but that's just. No, no, it's, and now you also would need a publisher that has a publicist with enough, I'm assuming with enough clout that if they, like if it was Macmillan or Penguin, they'd listen to them. If it was some independent publisher that only has 10 books, they may not listen to them as much. You, that yeah. publisher might have as much chance of getting heard as me as an indie publisher. The better the idea, the more chance you have. That's just true. Like if it's a really great idea, the more chance you have at getting it in the door and getting a publicist to get somebody to read it. Like if the publicist is, I'm Joe Nobody, want to read this book. They say, no, I don't know who you are, Joe Nobody. Uh, it's about a scientist develops dinosaurs from DNA and they open an amusement park on an island with dinosaurs and it goes bad. And then that agent is going to go, huh, that's a pretty good idea. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that, that's something like another book to read rather than reading screenplays, read Michael Crichton's books. <laughs> like Michael wow. Crichton's books are like, oh, this is a movie. Like they read like movies, like a, a Jurassic Park. When you read Jurassic Park, every single chapter ends with, and then the Velociraptor cage open. Like you just ha you can't put it down. It's just yeah. great. Like, and they read like, oh, and, and Michael Crichton has written so many books that have turned into movies. And when you read his books, you think this is a great movie. Not that you have to write science fiction, but you know, I think. Yeah. I think that as the better the idea, the more chance you have. Mm -hmm. But I think any connection that you can make, use it, you know. Yeah, because when I ever when I write my books, I always write it as how would it look as a movie? You know, would that scene work? If if that was on the screen, is the audience gonna laugh and shake their head or and it it's not easy. Um, wanna go back to something you said about so a producer likes your book brings it to the studio. The studio loves it. You're an indie writer. You may have, like me, 25 books to your credit, but you know, you've, you've come up high on Amazon, but you've never been in the top 10 books for a month at a time. What are we looking at it? Oh, this is what we'll pay you for the book. I mean, I know there's a lot of us out there that are thinking I'm going to make a million dollars on this first book. Well, you're, you're, what they'll do is the first thing they'll do is they'll buy the rights to the book. Uh, right. And that's usually a year long process. And usually like for a first time seller, that's around 
between 10 and like 25 grand. And that's just, and that's just for them to have the rights to do it. And then when you do it, you negotiate in advance. If they make this into a movie, this is what you get. Uh, like, and you negotiate that all in advance with the person who options your book so that when they sell it to Fox, Fox has to, has to go back to that contract that you made when you sold the rights to the book or option the rights to the book. Uh, and it depends. Like if it's an amazing, and it, it all depends on the situation. So if you sell it and nobody wants it, but one person wants it, you're not going to make much money, but you know, that's that beats getting digging ditches. You know, it's, it's pretty decent. And if they make it into a movie, your next novel is going to be much easier to sell as a movie. If your first one gets made, if two people want your book, you're in business. Like that's when you really make money because if two studios or two, two producers both want your book, then they have to outbid each other. And that's when you make money. And so the difference between one person wanting it and two people wanting it is night and day. Uh, so if two people want it, you could really, really make a good option fee and more control and a bigger part of the fee when they make it into a movie. And what you really want is five major studios that want the book. What you want is an auction. What you want is like a feeding frenzy where people yeah. go nuts. And that happens. But that really big... happens. That really happens with indie authors on their first book to a movie. Yes, I think yeah. that's that, that's really true. But it's and it depends more on the book than on the person selling the book. Like it really depends on what that idea is and does this really make it into a good movie, you know? Okay, so now just I want to be clear for me because I'm learning a lot here. So you can option the book between ten and twenty five thousand, but there's still the negotiation. So if a studio wants the book, you don't just get that ten to twenty five thousand. That's it. You get what's in the negotiated, what's in the the, the negotiated contract, right? Yeah, you get you get your fee that you agree to with to option it, an optioning fee. And there's like a standard one, like usually for first time, they're like 10 grand. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, you get a thick, thick contract. They're all standard and they yeah. just are, and they, and it all it boils down to, this is the fee that you make if you sell the book. Like they, if they, if they make this into a movie, that's a bonus. Uh, if it makes over 50 million, that's a bonus. Like if you, you're not going to get a percentage of the profit on your first one, very few people who write the book do. I bet J.K. Rowling does, uh, yeah. you know, but 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 I, but very few book writers will get that percentage. But it will say based on a book written by this person. Yeah. And if it's a good book, uh, you will get something. And if you sell two books, your second book has to be at least what that first book was. And depending on how well that first book sold, you can negotiate from there. But it has to, you can, you can never, it will never be let, you will never, any deal you make in life, they never go down. It always goes up and it's at least a 10% bump. Even if nobody ever made your book into a movie, at least 10% more. But if they made your book into a movie, it's going to be way more of a bump. And if your movie did well, the world is your oyster. Yeah. Now, just sort of a little sidetrack. Do the studios not let you keep the merchandising rights that they learned from George Lucas? It's all, it all depends on who you are. It, it oh. all depends on who, who is negotiating. It's, it's a big, it's, if you, if you're writing some weird book and you know, in the back of your head, this is all about the toys. Like, like nobody sees it, but me, but like, this is going to sell a buttload of zombie toys. Cause they're going to have a specific look and they're very different. And if you know that, while you're negotiating, you can tell who's negotiating for you and you need a lawyer. You can't do it yourself. You no, tell yeah. them, I don't care about the money. I don't care about uh, box office bumps. I don't even want, I don't want to negotiate super hard for the holding fee, the option. It's get me the toy rights, get me the merchandise rights. Don't tell them any of this other stuff. Act yeah. like you want all of it. But then at the end of the day, I'm willing to give up everything except merchandising rights. Keep me that. And that's, that works sometimes, you know, that, so whatever that important thing is like negotiate for it. Like you like buying a house, like it's just an all back and forth negotiation that you tell a lawyer what, 
and lawyers, you can just get out of the phone book and they'll take a percentage of what you're doing. But tell your lawyer what's important to you and make that important to you. The first time you sell something, say yes. Like the first time you sell a book, say yes. Don't be yeah. a pain, say yes. You're lucky you got your toe in the door. <clears throat> Is there a particular place that you can go to find a lawyer who specializes in this? You know what? I think, I mean, if you go online, there's, I, I, I don't want to give you a bad resource. I don't know. There, no. Yeah, there, but there must be. I would, again, ask people, you know, to ask your publisher, ask somebody who's done it before. So you're not just cold calling somebody, but I would ask either a friend to recommend a lawyer or if your publisher, if you have a publisher to recommend a lawyer or ask the people around you, just because rather than just getting somebody cold, get somebody who's worked with somebody, you know, so you know that they're decent and know what they're doing and honest. Now, the fun part of it. Well, is screenwriting fun? I enjoy it. Yeah, okay. it's yeah. fun. Like, uh, it, it's, it beats work. You know, it's, it's like, it's, <laughs> like it, I, I swear, I've written screenplays for now about 20 years. And the first 10 years, I was just, the most struggling I had was because I was trying to, like, just kind of, I was structure is your friend. Look at the structure of a good screenplay and the structure of every good screenplay is almost exactly the same from Casablanca to the matrix. They all have basically the same structure. There's like the first 10 pages where they introduce the world and the characters. Something happens around page 10, 15, where somebody needs our character to save himself or save somebody else or do something. He doesn't want to do it around page 25. He has to do it. They kill Aunt Veru, you know, Uncle Owen and Aunt Veru, and they burn Tatooine, and he has to leave the ship. He has to leave Tatooine to go on the adventure. Page 45, it gets even worse. They get sucked into the Death Star by a tractor beam, and now they're not going to get out. And then page, uh, uh, like around page 90, 85, 90, it gets even worse. The, the, the Death Star is going to destroy the rebel base. Like they're not going to make it in time. And then the last 10 pages, they destroy the Death Star. Like every single screenplay has almost the exact same structure. And when you realize that and embrace that, screenwriting is really, really fun. Like because it goes from like you're looking at a big giant piece of marble and wondering what that piece of marble should be. It goes to you're making a potholder and you know exactly how to make a potholder. You yeah. just got to pick the colors and make it fun. Um I think realize structure is your friend and screenwriting becomes really, really fun because you're just trying to create, you're not recreating, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're making a really cool wheel and wheels have been invented. And you said that it takes you now about a week to write an average screenplay. It takes about two weeks to write a screenplay and it takes me about three weeks to write the outline. I write an outline oh. for myself uh, really, really carefully. And it starts with bullet points. It starts with just like, what is this movie? Okay, uh, a guy gets a job in a natural history museum. The natural history museum comes to life at night. And then what? And then I have to realize, okay, well, why wouldn't he quit at the natural history museum? Like if you, if you worked in a museum and it came to life at night, you would quit after like one night if there were tigers trying to catch you. Okay. So then that first few pages, he needs a son and he needs to, to promise his son, whatever next job he gets, he won't quit. And so, okay. So we've got a reason for him to stay. Okay. What happens in the museum? Okay. Who's our main villain? How do we meet the main villain? And so by the time you're done, you've made an outline that starts that it's like a page and you realize everything that happens in night in the museum. And then you start to fill out kind of, okay, what's Teddy Roosevelt talk like? Okay. Does Teddy Roosevelt, does he have a problem? What if he's in love with Sacagawea? Oh, that's great. Now we have a little B love story. That's terrific. And by the time you've written a screen uh, outline, that's like five pages, you're ready to write a screenplay. And now you're writing a screenplay off of your outline and your outline is everything in the screenplay except the actual dialogue and little descriptions. And it becomes really, really easy. Because then you write and you read, you write the scene where Larry meets Teddy Roosevelt and then you're not wondering, well, then what happens? Then you can look at your outline and say, oh, he goes home and nobody believes him that stuff comes to life in the museum. Got it. You know, like, and so you 
outlines or your friend. Write an outline first. Again, there are, and again, ignore this if you disagree. The Cohen brothers don't do this. The Cohen brothers sit down and write, and they don't know where they're going, and they just write. Uh, I don't. I write an outline that's incredibly tightly organized, and so that when I sit down to write my screenplay, the hard part is done. I figured out all the characters. I figured out the bad guy. I figured out how he realizes the situation he's in. I figured out how he fixes it. And so all I'm doing when I write the screenplay is making it funny and cool. Um, that, but nobody, but it, there is no right answer and no wrong answer. A lot of great screenplays don't do that. Now, question I know everybody wants to ask: Where did you get the inspiration for Night at the Museum? It's a book. It's a kid's book. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a kid's book. Look at it. And it's a very simple kid's book. It is not It is not uh, a complicated kid's book. See, it's like, it's like that. Yeah. So a guard, if you see a guard at night, you wonder why he's asleep. Well, he's <laughs> asleep because at night, everything comes to life. And so the guard takes him for a walk feeds them and puts them to bed before the sun comes up. So 20th century five, but look at the cover. It's exactly yeah. the poster of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this is an idea that they didn't really buy this book. What they bought was this idea. They bought the idea of that's really cool. That the idea of at night, everything in a museum comes to life. Every kid kind of would think that's a cool idea that you wonder at night hey was that mummy there did that mummy move overnight so that's what they bought and so for six years they tried to make this into a movie they had like all different teams different directors different writers try to make it into a movie and none of them worked and then tom and i came in and said and, and part of it is i i love the natural history museum in new york uh, mm -hmm. I was a starving student in New York. I went to NYU. I couldn't afford food. And so I, I would go here because it was free. And so I knew the museum. And so I knew Teddy Roosevelt was outside and I knew there were tiki's that would say, I won't gum gum. And so they gave us a shot to write it into a movie, but it was a kid's book and they, they optioned it. The, as a writer of a book, Studios would rather do a movie that's based on something than just something based on a pitch. Like they would rather write, a, they would rather buy a movie based on a book, based on a comic book, based on a toy, than just based on a writer's idea out of thin air, just because they can look at something and somebody else bought it before they did. Like some publisher published this. Yeah. And so, so it's not the producer sticking his neck out and being the first person to hire this guy. But it's yeah. this, he's he's hiring somebody who already got a book published, and so it takes some of the stress off the executive who buys your idea. Yeah, it's a completely different it's a completely different environment, screenwriting and getting them in the movies than writing a manuscript, getting it into a book. For those of us out there who've never done a screenplay, or for those of us who have done a, a written a screenplay and like, oh my god, what did I just write? Any Hint, any advice? I, I'm assuming dialogue is extremely important. Everybody's different. This is my only advice. Uh, and, and I would say anybody who gives you advice, take what you agree with and ignore the rest. This is my advice and this don't ignore. <laughs> yeah. Write a screenplay. Finish it. Don't sit and think about your screenplay forever and ever and ever. Get to the end. Like if you're, if you're at a part that you, you think, I have no idea how Bruce Willis is going to end up taking out all the bad guys and get a machine gun. I don't know. Write something bad, get past that part and get to the end. Writing is rewriting. Write something that's 100, 120, 130 pages that says the end and then pick it up and start act like some other asshole wrote that script and not you go through it again and rewrite everything that sucks and makes it better. So that by the time you've written your script like four or five times, it'll be pretty good. Like, but don't don't sit and think about how do how do I get past page twenty five? How do I get past page? Write something bad, get to the end, and then, and then go, go back and, and then go back and fix it and make it better and better and better. Yeah. Writing is or have an outline. 
And, but I always have an outline. I always have an outline. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, who I'm, I'm saying that wrong, said that he didn't know. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Sixth Sense. I think that's a great movie. Yeah. He said he didn't know Bruce Willis was dead until the sixth draft. He said like it was the sixth draft that he was like, oh, my God. Bruce has been dead the whole time. Oh, my God, that's great. Wow. But he had written that whole damn movie six times, six passes. And then he realized the one thing that makes that movie amazing, which is that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Like, but it, but it took six passes. So do that. And then the other thing is don't belabor one, screen one screenplay forever. Get it? Finish the damn thing. Make it great. Put it aside. Write another screenplay. Right, it can be the same tone, same world, totally different genre, whatever. Write a different screenplay. Do the same thing. Finish it. Polish it. Get it better. And when you're done with that screenplay, read your first screenplay again, and you'll realize how bad it is. You'll realize, oh, my God, I thought this was great. Like the one thing, like anything in life, you will only get better at screenwriting by doing it. Finish it. Write another one. Finish it. Write another one. Finish it. Write another one. And that's that's the only you'll never get good at screenwriting with a half finished draft. You'll never get good at screenwriting thinking about it. Write it. Your first 10 will suck. And then when you're Quentin Tarantino, you'll make Bruce, you'll make Pulp Fiction and they'll buy all your sucky ones anyway. But yeah. like but, but like write, write all the time. Write, write, write. Any any time that you have, write and finish what you're writing. Don't just don't just struggle to get to the end. Finish it. And no, what you said is, is is true. The first book you're gonna think is great. You later, it's, my first book, a techno thriller, is so horrible. No one has read it but me. Yeah, I won't first, even I won't even let it out there to have other people look at me and go, "And you're a writer." That's everybody. That's every. That's writing. You know, like that's you write a screenplay and the like. My first screenplays, I I've still got them all in my computer, and I look at them and I'll think, "What was I thinking? Like this is terrible." Uh, you only get better by doing it. Okay. Um, we're going to have to close off in a few minutes. Any advice about screenwriting? Anything that you just want to throw out there for those of us? Because I know there's a lot of people on our show that have want to make the jump, want to take the make the effort at it. I think there's a couple of pieces of advice. Is go into this, but don't try to be famous. Try to get a job in show business. Like, re, like, like that's the goal that most people realize is way more impossible than they think it is. Like, mm -hmm. people come out here, whether you're an actor or writer or director, you think, I'm going to make it big. If your goal is, I'm going to get a job in show business, I'm going to sell something, I'm going to get a job as a writer's assistant, I'm going to get a job as a PA, I'm going to sell like a, like a, 10 second like section of an anthology show like get your foot in the door that's hard enough that should be your goal so whether you're working craft services or hauling diet cokes from the truck or the assistant to some horrible executive get a job in show business that's the goal out here sell anything uh the, like i i I've done very well. I've been very, very lucky and I've worked really hard. One of the things that I did was I said, yes, anytime a door was open, I said, yes. Anytime somebody said, uh, so we have this Martin Lawrence basketball movie. I'm not a huge Martin Lawrence fan. Uh, I'm not a big basketball fan. I said, yes, you know, and, 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 and so I looked at enough basketball to know the rules of basketball and I watched some Martin Lawrence to get his voice and I said, yes, and I figured it out later. Get a job, get a job in showbiz. That's almost impossible, but it's a much more realistic goal than I'm going to be Brad Pitt. Uh, you know, like that, that's, that's one thing I would say. Work all the time, right? all the time thinking about work thinking about screenplays isn't getting you better at screenplays talking about screenplays isn't getting you better at screenplays writing screenplays is getting you better at screenplays even if your screenplay sucks make yourself write it even if what you're writing even and i and i've been doing this for, i've been writing for 30 years mm -hmm. and i write stuff and sometimes i'm thinking this is just terrible but i've got to get the guy from the bridge 
to the roof somehow. So I'm just going to write a horrible, horrible scene that he fights bad guys and makes it to the roof. And later on, I'll figure out how to make that not horrible. Doesn't It's not going to be brilliant. Write it. Get to the end and then go back and make it make it better. Write all the time. Say yes all the time. And just try to get your toe in the door. That's almost impossible. If somebody says, hey, I've got a friend of a friend who says that maybe he's got a job where this guy, they just need somebody at the office to get coffee, say yes. Because mm-hmm. getting a job like that is almost impossible. And, and like that's that's a big thing. Like I know as people who write novels making the leap to screenplays – not all of this advice is applicable, but that would be my advice. Okay. Since we're doing this as a pre-recorded broadcast, if anybody after they've seen it wants any questions, can they relay them through me to you? Absolutely. All right. So anybody who's watching this, just send it to me as a direct message on Facebook and I'll pass it to Ben. We'll get an answer. Before we close off, what are you working on now? I just turned in a movie uh, to Sony, a first draft. I sold a spec. They gave me notes, and I I just turned it in uh, about a a woman who gets proposed to, but her fiancé really wants to meet her parents, and she's so embarrassed by her obnoxious parents, she hires fake parents for like a weekend, and it goes really badly. Uh, The Real McCoys is the name of it, so I'm working on that. And then I'm developing an animated show for DreamWorks, that's going very, very slowly, but it's mm-hmm. fun. It's about a kid with a monster under his bed. Is there any chance you're going to do a night at the museum for? They, well, they just did an animated one. Uh, they nice. just did an animated night at the museum. And I, I was there. I helped punch it up a little bit. I did mm-hmm. like a table, round table for it. And this is really interesting. They're trying to franchise it to China, uh, which, is, which is fascinating to me. Like, so... They, they, in China, they have like a producer in China and they like to set it in a Chinese museum with Chinese characters and like, they don't know who Teddy Roosevelt is. And so they, they picked like those terracotta warriors are in it and there's like a Lao Tzu Mm. type guy, but it's really neat. I think that's a really interesting idea that they're just trying to straight up like uh, Magnificent Seven with Seven Samurai. They're trying to just straight up, we're going to make the Chinese version of this, which that's, I think that's, I guess it's very mercenary, but I think it's actually kind of cool. So I'm like, yeah. it's as long as it's done right. It's yeah. yeah, because I love the third, I love the night at the museums, but the ending of that third one was so sad. Yeah, I know. Very, very, very sad. Yeah. But those are so much fun to work on. Yeah. Well, Ben, I really appreciate it. This was a phenomenal premiere episode. You gave a ton of advice. Um, you helped me with the first screenplay I wrote. I learned so much tonight. I appreciate it. Um, thank you, everybody, for being here tonight. Um, if you enjoyed the show, like, subscribe. We are going to be continue doing this. We're going to do this every two weeks. Hopefully sometime we can get you back, Ben. Uh, anytime. Uh, always a pleasure. Hopefully All right. Helpful. Yeah. All right. Well, again, from uh, Weird Realities, good night, everyone.